want to begin by telling you about uh, a few years ago, our family uh, went on vacation to Colorado and um, really enjoy Colorado. And uh, our family is, we've gone to a lot of different churches and been a part of different churches, mostly small ones, but some, some larger. But on this Sunday, we thought it would be a neat experience if we found a big one. And so uh, we found a big church in the Denver area just to see uh, perhaps something new, perhaps something exciting. And, you know, it really was uh, a good experience. And I remember uh, professionals doing the music and the pastor top-notch, um, some excellent preaching, inspiring message. I remember the Word of God being front and center, and I really, really liked that. And, um, you know, I have to give the people there credit, too. They were very friendly uh, when we came in. But, you know, we were... We were not really looking to talk to anybody. Uh, we were on vacation. Uh, we were passing through. We knew we wouldn't come back. And so uh, we didn't really make a lot of effort to, to connect with people there. Uh, but I remember after that thinking about the experience, thinking about the church, and realizing that there was something missing in all of that. And I was trying to figure out what that was. And as I thought about it... Um, I thought, you know, it really wasn't the church's fault that something was missing because the one ingredient that I was longing for was something that they could not provide. Because I realized that what I was longing for was relationships. I was longing for care and conversation and and a sense of unity and purpose and a sense of being in a community that was uh, seeking the Lord, pursuing God together. And, And you can't get that from a one-hour worship experience. You just can't. So no fault to that church that we went to. Great church, great things, but um, you just can't find that in a one-hour experience. And so as I thought about that, uh, what strikes me is that, you know, it's very possible for some people here and some people really all around the country to go to church and at the same time to know very little about being the church. Um, And so each week there might be people here in this place who leave feeling like something is missing. Or maybe they leave not even realizing that anything's missing. You know, I went to church, that was great, good, good to go. And if that is, is you this morning, then I would just simply say, there's more. You're missing out on something and the privilege of being the church. And it might be because you're going to church instead of seeking to be the church. Well, how would you know if that's true? Um, well, think about this past week and think about um, how many times you connected with people of this church. You know, maybe you had coffee with someone or you ate a meal together or maybe you sent someone a text or an email or, um, you know, it could be any kind of connection. Maybe you just uh, exercised together or you had people in your home Think about the number of times that you actually connected with people from this family of believers. And if that number is low, you're probably missing out on a great blessing and and actually missing God's intention for His church. Um, I remember when I was young, I learned a song, and I I don't think it's well known, and so there may may not be anyone else here who recognizes this song, but there was a certain part of the song and if I can remember, it, it, was, it was something like, The church is not a building. 
The church is not a steeple. The church is not... She's shaking her head. That's good. The church is not a resting place. The church is a people. I didn't sing it very well. But I remember that part of the song because it reminded us that the church is about the people. Church is about the people. And, and that's what we've been focusing on here the last few weeks is what God intends for the relationships of those people. And as we're looking at it, we're seeing a very beautiful picture. We're seeing people loving one another and praying for one another and bearing one another's burdens. And so let me point out with those things, with those one another's, you cannot do those one another things if your sole contact with each other is a one-hour worship service on Sunday morning. I mean, if you think about those things, it's impossible. You, you can't. And so God's call upon us as a church is to have lives that intersect so that we can do this loving of one another or praying with one another or bearing each other's burdens, all these one another commands. Well, Hebrews 10.24 tells us to spur one another on. And so this morning we're going to talk about what does that mean and, and how can we spur one another on? The book of Hebrews, in chapter 10, at verses 19 through 25, we'll really focus in on 24 and 25, but I want to read 19 through 25 because uh, the opening of this whole section reminds us of the hope that we have in Jesus. Um, and so just as we were reminded last week in communion about the blood of Jesus sacrificed for us, that if we have faith in Him, our hearts can be cleansed and that we can be forgiven. So let's start there in uh, Hebrews 10, starting with verse 19. It says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that is, His body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, But let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. So I want to focus on verses 24 and 25 this morning. And what is particularly helpful about those verses is that the writer is telling us that it's not enough simply to draw near to God on your own. It's not enough to hold fast to your faith alone. The call of this text is is for you to help others draw near to Jesus and together to hold fast to your confession of faith. I mean, isn't that what verse 24 says? If you take a look at that, verse 24. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. And so again, when you don't know other people well at church or they don't know you well, you can't do that. Or at least it's really hard to do that. So first of all, as we look at this question, how do we spur one another on? It it becomes very clear we build relationships. We build relationships. Because to fulfill verse 24 requires a relationship. 
You can't spur one another on towards love and good deeds if you don't know them. And so that's the idea of verse 25 as well, which says, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. So how do we spur one another on? Well, first of all, we build relationships. And then secondly, we don't neglect meeting together. And we meet together, and we do that weekly and sometimes more often than that, but we do that because we quickly forget who we are. We quickly forget what Christ has done for us. We forget about His calling on our lives. And so we are to meet regularly to remind ourselves and each other of the gospel. We seek to remind ourselves that Christ died for our sins, that we're not made righteous through anything that we can do, that we're justified through faith in Christ alone, and that those beliefs translate out into our lives. And so as we come into worship on Sunday, our songs are, are geared to remind us of the realities of our faith. Then we read the Scriptures to show us where our hope remains. We pray to God to help us in our weaknesses. And we, we preach to open up God's Word into our hearts. But as much as this public ministry helps there's still an element that's missing in that. It's the personal ministry of interaction with one another. Verse 25 goes on to say, Let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. So, how do we spur one another on? Well, first we build relationships. We don't neglect to meet together. But thirdly, we see here, we encourage one another. When I told uh, Chris Hilkeman that we were going to be talking about these two verses this morning, he said, oh, okay, so what we're going to be talking about is encouragement. And as usual, Chris was right. Um, encouragement is what we are to practice with one another. And I think encouragement is a part of this spurring one another on. But I don't think it's all of it. I think the passage takes us even deeper than that. And so uh, I want to save encouragement for a different message later on because there are, diff- there are a whole bunch of commands that talk about encouraging one another. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time on encouragement this morning, but I want to go deeper into this text to get at the full meaning of it. Encouragement is definitely part of it. But verse 24 says, And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. So you see a simple call there to do what God calls all of us as believers in Him to do. We're called to love. And we're called to be engaged in doing good things or good deeds. And Jesus says as much in John fifteen twelve. He says, My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. And John reminds us that, that the love that we have, it isn't simply with words, but it also comes with actions. And so 1 John 3.18 says, Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. And so, in other words, this love that we have will express itself in good works or deeds for one another. Because when God saves us from our sins, that's not the end of the story. He saves us for a purpose. He, He saves us to produce in us fruit. 
He saves us to represent Him to the world that they might get a glimpse of Him through our lives. And so Ephesians 2.10 confirms that to us. It tells us that we are, speaking of believers in Jesus Christ, we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. James 2.26 likewise says, So faith without deeds is dead. And so we can't separate our faith out into what we think or believe and what we do. It's all a part of the same package. And so at first glance, in verse 24 again, that's what this verse appears to be calling us to, to love and good deeds. But I want you to look more closely at verse 24. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. So as we look at it, as we think about it for a minute, verse 24 is a call for you to spur one another on or stir one another on to love and good deeds. In other words, the emphasis in this text isn't so much on how you're showing love and good deeds, but rather the emphasis of this text is upon how you spur or you stir someone else to love and good deeds. Did you notice that? So it's not merely enough to be engaged in love and good deeds, but God's call upon us is how do we bring others in, along with us in this love and good deeds? How do we spur them on? Well, we're called to encourage one another, as I said before. But what about this spurring or stirring part? What, is, what does that really mean? So if you dig into that, uh, other translations, New American Standard Bible translates that as stimulate one another. And in the original Greek, the word is usually used in a negative sense of provoking or irritating or rousing to anger. And so an accurate way, or a great way to translate this verse would be to provoke. Now, somebody just woke up here and they're thinking, hey, this is great. (laughs) The pastor just told me that I could provoke people. Okay, hold on, just a minute. Because in the Greek, um, there's a positive sense of this word and also a negative sense. And so some of you, I imagine, are probably pretty good at provoking other people or stirring each other up. But there's a positive sense of that and there's a negative sense of that. And we know 1 Corinthians 13.5, for example, says love is not irritable, right? So in our text, this word provoking is a good provoking, which we don't often think of provoking as good, but this is a good provoking. It's a provoking to love. It's a provoking to good works. Um, Maybe I could give some kind of example of that. This is maybe like when uh, a friend and and you want to uh, exercise or work out together at the gym, and so you say to them, well, I'll be there. I'll meet you there at 6 a.m., and we'll work out. Well, when your alarm goes off at 5 a.m., the last thing that you want to do at that point is to get up. But knowing that your friend is going to be at the gym in an hour, it just has a wonderful way of provoking you to do what is good. That's the sense that we're talking about this word. It's a good thing. It's a good provoking. How do we spur one another on? We positively, I stress positively, provoke one another. 
And that's the meaning in the text here. And so we're called to be those who provoke others, not to anger, but to good things like love and good deeds. And again, you, you have to have relationships with people to do this. I mean, I can't just walk up to you and say, hey, you need to be doing this. It's in, the, it's in the context of knowing people, caring about them and loving them and trying to encourage them forward. So you might be thinking about this, say, you know, that sounds really good, but how do we do this, really? Well, first of all, it takes some thoughtful consideration of the people in your church family or, or other believers. Hebrews 10.24, notice, says, And let us consider, let us consider how we may spur one another on. So, first of all, spend some time considering the people in your worship family, your church family, your community of faith. Start by getting to know others at church and to study them by asking them questions. And some of you are really, you know, you're not outgoing people. Maybe you're introverted. You're like, ah, that, that just feels like intrusive. But if, you know what? If you care about each other, you're going to want to know each other. You're going to want to understand each other. So, so don't think of that as intrusive. That's just about loving others. But anyway, you think about others and you ask them questions to find out more about them. What are their strengths? If you find out their strengths, you'll probably find out their weak points as well. Um, but discover what their gifts are. Notice what the areas of need are in their lives. Not because you want to gossip, not because you want to be nosy, but because you want to see how you can encourage or speak truth into a person's life. Observe the areas in which others flourish and detect areas in which they struggle or flounder. Because we all do. We all have areas that we're good at. We all have areas that we struggle. And so think about those things. And then um, do what you can to encourage the others to love and good deeds. Okay? For example, when you see something commendable, you honor the person by telling them, I, I noticed God's work in you. I saw when you did that. Great job. And that encourages them to keep pursuing God and using their gifts. And then, likewise, when you see people who are weary in doing good, and perhaps our building team right now is weary in doing good, you come alongside them and you say, you know, I see what you're doing. I see the effort you're putting forward. Thank you. Keep going. Great job. Thank you. And that will encourage them to keep going. And, and sometimes you may notice a lack of love in others. And you speak to them gently to encourage them in the ways of love or in God's ways. And so, in other words, it takes a bit of thought and discernment to see and understand what's going on in the lives of others. We don't just jump into their lives and tell them what to do or anything like that. It's relational. It's loving. It's caring. It's thoughtful, considerate um, discernment. Thoughtful, provoking if you will. And so sometimes it will be understanding uh, what's going on and, then, and, and saying the right things. Um, and I think this is what Paul is writing about in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5.14. He says, And we urge you, brothers, warn those who are idle, encourage the timid, help the weak, be patient with everyone. And so it's a responding to one another in such a way that directs them towards godliness, spurs them on. And, and a lot of times it's more than encouragement or correction. It, it might be 
that you match up an opportunity for loving good works with one who's especially equipped to do them. For instance, you hear that someone is financially struggling. So you match up the one who's struggling with the one who has um, some financial expertise. Or maybe you hear of someone whose lawnmower isn't working quite right. And, and, and you know someone just purchased a new lawnmower and they don't know what to do with the old one. Match it up. Or maybe you hear someone who's having computer problems and you match them up with someone who loves computers and would love to help. In all of those examples, you're considering how you can spur one another on in love and good deeds uh, because often there's a willingness, but the direction is lacking. And so you can spur one another on in good ways by connecting a need with a willing helper. And I think um, the guys that are going up to Minnesota next weekend, uh, we've got guys who can do roofing. They're going to knock that job out quick. I've seen some of them do it. They've got this, okay? That's matching a need that they have up there with the skills that they have. And we hope that that's going to encourage and build relationship there and spur them on as well. And so that's our prayer for that group as they go next, next week to Minnesota, that they would spur others on with their skills and with the, meeting a need there. Or maybe it's a need that you have. Um, maybe it's approaching someone you know that can help you with that need. Um, in that case, spurring one another on to love and good, good deeds may be as simple as asking someone else for help in your own life. I mean, maybe you want to ask a landscaper some, for some advice about the trees that need to come down in your yard. You know, is this a job I could do myself or do I need to call in somebody else? Maybe you want to ask a handyman to help guide you in your home repair project. Um, Maybe you ask a friend for a recommendation for babysitting a child. Um, Maybe you ask a godly couple to help you in your marriage. Um, Could be a lot of different things. But here's what I've noticed. If you, and we all are at times, if you are in a position of weakness and you see your own need and you are willing to do all that you can to fix your need, there are plenty of people who are willing to help. Plenty of people. I've seen that time and time again. They just need to know of the opportunity. And so you make the opportunity known, and as you do that, hopefully you're spurring on others to love and good deeds. Now, sometimes it's more than merely connecting the need with the one who can help. Um, Often it's bringing along others with you. Hey, here's an opportunity to serve. There's these ladies in Minnesota who need their roof shingled. I could do that myself. Well, I couldn't personally, but maybe you're thinking I could do that myself. But you say, hey, let's put a team, a team, uh, team of people together so that we can do this together. We can, together we can spur on. Um, and I think that's probably the most effective way of positively provoking is to model that for others or to bring them along and show them how it's done and then they do it as well. Um, and I think in our families, it's probably the most effective way. For example... Fathers, to model love and good deeds at home. And then to encourage your children to follow the model or the example that you're setting. So as fathers, we don't merely order our children around demanding that they do this and that. No, we we try to show them what a life of love and good deeds look like. And then fathers, to use your God-given authority to stir them or to spur them to follow in your steps. Now, 
One of the things that you've probably noticed about all of this that I'm talking about is that it's not a program. It's not a program. And we do programs here at church, and the programs are great. In fact, we do the programs so that these things can happen inside of the programs. That's why we do the programs. Sometimes we forget that. Uh, I forget that because we're so focused on the programs. But it's, it's not a program. This is about people uh, of the church who love each other and they're involved enough in each other's lives to such an extent that they know each other well enough to urge them on to love and good deeds. And, and it's really inspiring when the church functions like that. And we've seen that happening here. We want to encourage that. Now, certainly that type of relationship with others takes time. It takes effort. It's not easy. Schedules are crazy. I know that. But this is the biblical design for the church. This is how it's supposed to be. This is how it's designed to be. And it's God's call upon our lives of how we're to act with one another. Again, that God has created you and I not to do life or to do faith on our own, but He's created us to live out this faith in a community with one another, to love one another, to serve one another, to help one another. And so if you are off doing your own thing, if you're off serving Jesus alone, I'm, I'm thankful that you're following Jesus, but I want you to know you're, you're missing a big component in your life of faith, and that is the body. And when the body is functioning as it should, Awesome. Okay, you might still be wondering, okay, all sounds good. But how, do, how do I do this? How do I apply this? Well, let me give you one big possible application this morning. Try attending a small group. Um, in the bulletin, there's a few options. As Doyle mentioned, talk to a f- facilitator of a group. And if those groups in there don't work for you, make your own group. Find Uh, Find it on your own time, in your own way, your own structure. I won't be offended. Again, we're about Word of God and relationships. We're about connections. And and, and so I want to encourage you to make that happen in one way or another. And uh, the the small groups are one option for that. Hebrews 10.25 says, Let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. And that day is referring to the day when Christ returns. So as we look at that verse, certainly there's an application for attending a service here on Sunday morning. But in some ways, it may have an even greater application for a small group setting. Notice what takes place at these meetings together. There's an encouraging of one another that takes place. And and certainly encouragement takes place here on Sunday morning. I'm not saying it doesn't, but perhaps it could in a greater way in a small group where you're able to talk back and forth about your life, where you're able to share your joys and your struggles, where others are able to pray for you and speak truth into your life, where they're encouraging you to press on in the faith and, and where you can do that for others. And so I want to encourage you to pursue deeper relationships with others so that we can spur one another on. Um, would really enjoy um, seeing new people come into our church. I hope that continues to happen. And I, I think we're friendly. I think we greet people warmly. But I believe that 
that the main way to help new people connect in a new church family is to have a small group for them to enter into, if they're willing. Because in a small group, they can build relationships which spur one another on to love and good deeds. They can be encouraged themselves and spur others on. And because this is what we all need. And that's what our text is reminding us of this morning, that whether we're new to church or this church, or whether we have attended this church for years, this is what we need. That God has created us to live out our hope together, encouraging one another, considering how we can spur one another on to love and good deeds.